0: Hi guys. Welcome back to the Allen and Warren report. We are recording this. Actually, I just finished doing the, the NJP weekly report. I'm a, I'm the reporter at TRS. I do the two reports. <laughs> um, no, we just finished the NJP weekly report I just did with Jack McCracken a few hours ago. And now uh, we are going to pre-record the, the show that will be out this weekend. So you guys will be listening to this on Saturday. Uh, which is actually Armistice Day, that's the 11-11, um, and also Veterans Day, of course, which is the same thing as Armistice Day. But today is November the 9th, 2023. As I said on the NJP Weekly Report, this is exactly 100 years to the day after the Hitler Putsch, the so-called Beer Hall Putsch in Bavaria, in Munich, in 1923 and we're going to be basically devoting the entire show to that um i've I've done some history readings
1: hey what's up you know you're only hearing half of the show right and it's being indiscriminately uh interrupted with these sales pitches because we just don't know how else to get your attention and get you over there uh our website our podcasts are 100 percent listener funded Uh, They are funded with your subscription, so if you could please do that. Uh, Help us out, therightstuff.biz slash paywall. Thanks. Uh,
0: In the last few shows, and you guys seem to be enjoying it, last week we covered Otto Ernst Raymer and his support for the Palestinian cause. And before I go any further, I want to give a shout-out to Spam Houston, who put in the comments of that uh, a video from the internet archive of Ernst Zundel uh, with Otto Reimer at an event. And I haven't had a chance to watch the whole thing because we've been so busy this week. I have just watched some bits and pieces of it and I caught the end and it looks amazing. It's incredible. Uh, So we're, we will have to watch that and check it out. But you guys that are more interested in Otto Ernst Reimer, I mean, this is like a gold mine. Um, This bit that uh, spam Houston posted. I had never seen it before. And of course, Ernst Zundel was a great, great man as well so that's something people should check out but yeah we're going to try to keep this show a mix of some news and some history but today we're just going to do all history because of the historic day and and also uh you know i have to travel this weekend for an njp event so we it's nice we can be together dad and record this on the day itself and then guys can listen to it after
2: well hello everybody uh yeah it's quite an anniversary um You know, the the national socialist thing, the whole phenomenon, it it really is like was a response to the modern era. Uh, It it provided the answers of what was ailing the states. I mean, we had, you know, international capitalism, uh, the robber baron thing going on, and you had the whole communist thing in, in response to that. And. They both were getting it wrong and, and the national socialists with their emphasis on the, the, the racial uh, harmony of, of a people uh, being important and the role that the Jews play and have played and continue to play in disrupting that natural uh, balance of, of, uh, of forces within a society Uh it was totally re- relevant 100 years ago, and uh, it, it's, it, you know, it's the same thing today. I feel like, uh, personally, I feel like I'm fighting the same, exact same battle that those guys that perished 100 years ago today, the f- first martyrs uh, for National Socialism. I mean, it's a different time and a different place, but it's basically the same forces at work. Yes, well said, and uh, we... I've got a lot on
0: this that we can go through and cover. Um, <clears throat> first of all, actually, I will do one bit of news. Um, I saw Karen Dunn, who is the one of the uh, Sines v. Kessler uh, lawyers. She was probably the most effective of all of them. And uh, unlike um, Roberta Kaplan, not a big slob, but a very effective Jew lawyer, very sharp very elite uh the cl- classes she travels in and um she was the one that really when the when that trial was going on was was really sharp i mean she was given most of the strongest arguments and everything and she wrote an article called uh on msnbc.com why neo nazi groups are popping up at pro palestinian rallies The white supremacist groups see an opportunity to further mainstream anti-Semitic tropes and create new opportunities for extremist violence. They always try to make it down, come it down to violence. But why are white supremacists and neo-Nazi groups popping up at pro-Palestinian rallies across America, including most recently in Washington, D.C., Orlando, Florida, Boston, Missoula, Montana, uh, I'll give you a hint, it's not because they care particularly about the situation in Gaza. Wrong. <laughs>
2: we do. <laughs> how do. How does she know that? Yeah, how does yeah, she, she know that? Does she base that? Yeah, yeah, as opposed to how much she
0: cares about it. Anyway, you no, know, for these groups, the large-scale large protests across America present a golden opportunity to mainstream the same anti-Semitic troops they've been pushing for years, and if they get their way, create new opportunities for extremist violence. Again, as the bombs fall on Gaza and we pass the, uh, uh, Ten thousand civilians, you know, killed. Uh, well, ten thousand people killed, uh, most of whom are civilians, and the most of whom are women and children. But anyway, she says this is one of the lawyers who sued the white supremacist responsible. Blah 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 blah. I checked in with those defendants to see what they've said. She talks about Jason Kessler. She talks about Richard Spencer. She talks about Nathan Domingo. Then she says, and the National Justice Party, founded by white supremacists involved in Charlottesville, responded to the October 7th attacks by marching in front of the White House with signs that read, no white lives for Israel and Zionism equals terrorism, expressly calling for the, quote, destruction of Israel, unquote. NJP's website now encourages people to, quote, begin to imagine a world where Israel no longer exists in an article titled, quote, four ways the destruction of Israel can benefit the West. Uh, while white supremacists target all non-white groups and allies, they're, the unifying animus is a hatred of Jews. Um, blah, blah, blah. Talks about Hitler. Those tactics are straight from the Nazi playbook, literally. Um, she says uh, that this is um, – uh, where is it? Yeah, as one Charlottesville defendant put it, if you want to defend the South and Western civilization from the Jew and his dark-skinned allies, be it Charlottesville on the 12th of August. White supremacists may be looking specifically to exploit division on college campuses and provoke violence between protesters and counter That's such bullshit. That's such bullshit. Provoke violence. Again, you know, Karen Dunn needs it to be about violence. She wants it to be about violence because that's how she makes a living. But anyway, it's just funny that uh, this Jew, this Jewess, who it took us a while to find out even that she was a Jew because she doesn't look like one and she doesn't put it out there. We had to do some digging. But, um, she ends her article. If Charlottesville taught us anything, it's accepting the normalization of anti-Semitism carries with it tremendous costs for Jews and non-Jews alike. We allow anti-Semitism to surge at our own peril. Um, so yeah, basically the rally that you guys did, Dad, at, in front of the White House is, is still, um, I mean, this was published on November 9th, so it's pretty cool. Nice, yeah. yeah, it's pretty neat. You know, it's, it's like, Everything she says here is lies and bullshit, but at the same time, uh, Karen Dunn is one of these people that if she is complaining or worrying or upset about what we're doing, then we're doing something right. This is an evil Jew. Uh, who you want to make sure that this, this awful, awful person is noticing you and upset with you and pissed off about you. And if, uh, what's like the
2: Hitler quote, if you did that, then you've done your duty as a national socialist the day before. Well, it's nice that these people are, are helping to guide our, our activities. They, they, they let us know what's effective and what isn't. We, the kind of reaction we, we got from this and continue to get shows that this is the kind of thing we need to do more of. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it's great that this anniversary comes at a time when, uh, you could say Jew, Jew knowledge, knowledge about the Jews, their power, how they operate is, is at an all time high in, in my lifetime. I mean, this war in Gaza, this mass slaughter, I keep calling it a war. It's not a war. Uh, it's it's waking everybody up. So that's very good to see. Uh also some funny things in the news. Um Hillary Clinton just said that Trump could come to power like Hitler um uh, because he could win because Hitler was duly elected. <laughs> and then there was a uh an article here candidate who wouldn't denounce Moms for Liberty chapter after Hitler quote wins Indiana mayor race, mayoral race. A Republican candidate who refused to denounce a local chapter of Moms for Liberty that used a quote by Adolf Hitler in a newsletter has won her election as mayor of Carmel, Indiana, a wealthy suburb of Indianapolis. Uh, city Councilwoman Sue Finkham uh, defeated Democratic candidate and fellow city councilman Miles Nelson in Tuesday's municipal election. According to unofficial returns from the Hamilton County Election Office, the election closed a contentious and at times bitter race to lead the city of about 102,000 people and succeed its longtime mayor. Uh, the race received widespread attention after Nelson called on Finkham um, to denounce the Hamilton County chapter of Moms for Liberty, the conservative group that used a quote from Adolf Hitler in its inaugural newsletter earlier this year. Moms for Liberty a group classified as an anti-government extremist group by the SPLC is a national organization that champions parental rights and efforts against diversity equity and inclusion in school districts um, so apparently this woman denounced the use of the quote but she didn't denounce the group but anyway it's just funny the 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 way a hundred years later, this you'd think this thing would be dead and buried by now and it's the opposite uh from their perspective it's right under the surface everywhere whether it's by actual national socialists who know what they are or people that have the potential to be national socialists or people who are following the same you know fighting the same goals we watched a little clip from deutsche vela Earlier, where they were kind of tying it all together, the anti-Israel protest.
2: I've been seeing a number of uh, comparisons to uh, January 6, you know, and saying that that, that was like a attempted putsch, like like the the Nazis did a hundred years ago, which is ridiculous on its face. But it's interesting to com when if you compare the conditions in in uh, Germany a hundred years ago uh, to what's going on now. And because some of the, some of the stuff is very similar, the Jewish power, the racial mess, uh, the, the they keep pointing out in all these documentaries about the putsch that uh how horrendous the economic situation was, and that's something else that that uh, that we have here. Here's here's an article from uh, this was on Yahoo from uh, Ben uh, Benzinga. Uh, an article by Eric McConnell from November 7th. Uh, it says the average income needed to afford a home in the U.S. today exceeds the average income by tens of thousands of dollars. It says the average American wage earner needs to earn tens of thousands of dollars per year more than in the past to afford the average house in America. According to the U.S. Census, the average American household income In 2022 was $74,580. The average home price is $431,000 according to the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Benzinga looks at why both of these averages spell trouble for the housing market. A 20% down payment on a $431,000 house. That's the average home. would be around $86,000 and leave roughly $345,000 in mortgage principal. In the early stages, a 7.5% annual percentage rate, f- fixed rate mortgage on $345,000 is about $25,000 annually in interest. 25000 in interest. Or a little over 2000 per month in interest. Most uh, mortgage lenders want borrowers to earn triple the mortgage amount in monthly income to qualify, and it goes on. But, I mean, the point is, how is a couple, especially if they have a kid, you're renting, you're making car payments, you're making student loan payments, and now you got to come up with $86,000 for, for a down payment, and then you're going to pay $2,000 a month in interest. I mean, so like home ownership—something that was so basic to the American dream, uh you know—and that everybody could do. I mean, working-class people, like I've uh, said before, my old man, my uncles, uh, my grandfather died uh, young, and and uh, they all quit school after they went to eighth grade and went to work, and and they all owned homes and they all had health care and everything. So, like in a generation or two. That's how it's changed. I mean, it, it's just incredible. When I look at those figures, uh, you know, there's a lot of things wrong with being a boomer, but uh, one thing is I kind of slipped in under the wire. I mean, you're not going to have truck drivers and house painters and, 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 you know, owning homes in the future. Yeah. That's, uh,
0: that's cr- crazy. So that's the, that's the m- median price. Is that the median price or is that the average price? What does that say? The
2: average price.
0: Okay, because the median house price.
2: The average home price is four hundred thirty-one.
0: Well, the median home—it's got to be close because uh the median home price says is four ten. Um, what's the difference? The median—I always forget median, mode, and. Mean. Mean is the sum of values divided by the number of values, which is the average. Median is the middle value when the values are ranked and mode is the most frequently occurring value. So the middle value when all the values are ranked is the median and the median is in the 400,000s. That's nuts. That's insane. Uh, I mean, you would think average would, 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 it would weigh, you know, it would be much heavier because, you know, the, 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 the multi-million dollar homes would, would outweigh. I mean,
2: all this, all this immigration.
1: Hey, you're still listening to only half the show? Get behind the paywall and get the rest of the story. Go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall and choose the subscription model that works best for you. And don't forget, every Tuesday evening, there is an Odyssey stream where Sudden Sun will take your donations through a credit card or a debit card in exchange for a subscription. You have no idea how much content you're missing. Go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall and let's fix that.
2: All this immigration out of control, uh, you know, legal and illegal is just putting, you know, pressure on workers, uh, you know, pushing wages down, all this competition. And then just uh, the competition for housing, Uh you know, and, you know, the the uh, all these people have to live somewhere. So housing is going through the roof. And then and then you have these a lot of you know, wealthy boomers. They've done everything right their whole life. And maybe they're the previous generation did I, I know a number of them personally they own three four five homes you know one in the mountains one at the shore one where they worked and, and raised their kids and, and and then a couple others on the side you know and 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 they're, and they're sucking up all this uh, all this housing and working class poor and working class people young couples are finding it impossible to, to get their own place yeah yeah it's uh so this is similar to to you know uh like a hundred i mean a hundred years ago in germany they they were literally starving you know so it's it's not that nobody's starving here but but uh home ownership something that was supposed to make Americans special uh in you know, american dream that that's that's about gone yeah
0: it's um that's why they're so worried because this stuff this idea and that's why this ideology just won't go away uh, this worldview it's like no matter what they do to suppress it it keeps coming back because the problems that gave rise to it are still there uh, so yeah let's uh, let's start I, I'll tell you what I got a lot of things here I'm, I I there's no way I can get through them all um, but I will mention a few books that are good reference points for this subject. Uh, the one that I, w- I would like to read, some from, that's the first time I ever read uh, a, a good account of the events of November 8th and 9th, 1923, was a book uh, that I think, Dad, we, we picked up a copy of this in a library during when we were doing the Buchanan campaign. I remember we, we found a copy of it, but it was quite a find. It's a book called Germany's Hitler. By a man named Heinz A. Heinz. So his first name and his last name are the same. Heinz Heinz. It was published uh, by Hearst and Blackett Limited uh, in, first published in 1934 in Great Britain in the Hearst and Blackett uh, in London. And it's a very um, interesting the, the It was dedicated, the book is an English language biography of Adolf Hitler. That, uh, is written in a sort of British-English style. And he, he wrote this, uh, he said, Dedicated to my sincere English and American friends, the author. And there is a chapter in it about the putsch that I will probably read the whole section because it's not that long. It's chapter 9, Und ihr habt doch gesiegt, which means, and you have triumphed after all, or nevertheless, or you've had victory, nevertheless, which is what they inscribed on the big um, memorial tombs for the 16 martyrs who were killed. Um, so I'm going to read some from that. <clears throat> Another book that's very good on the subject is a book that was published a few years ago. It's written in an extremely uh, anti-Nazi style, but there's a lot of interesting details. This book is called 1924, The Year That Made Hitler by Peter Ross Range, and uh, this was published in 2016, um, and there's a very detailed account in that, but of course it is it is very biased. Another great account, uh, just a, a short description of the uh, events leading up to it, and then uh, with bits from the hitler's trial is uh Antelope hills in his own words the essential speeches of adolf hitler and uh the translator cj miller wrote an introduction to the speech about the trial speeches where he outlined the events of the putsch very well i actually did the audiobook for that so i won't read that again cuz i've already read it on a <laughs> in a, on a recording um and you can get the audiobook from um antelope hill antelope hill i want to mention also i said this on the uh on the weekly report but antelope hill has now out uh two new books in hardcover they have michael um which is Goebbels' only novel that he wrote when he was a young man which has a um uh, a forward by our own uh eric striker joseph jordan he wrote a forward to that and also um uh, what was the other one? The other one is the Rise of the NSDAP, which is an official account of their history from the SS Main Office, and they are both now uh, available in hardcover at antelopehillpublishing.com. dot um, and they publish them in hardcover on the you know to mark the the anniversary. So that's really good. But the two places I want to start with this. There's a couple other books I got here that I can I can reference. There's one called Munich, nineteen twenty-three. The first thing I want to start with is Mein Kampf. Hitler mentions, he doesn't give a detailed description of the Putsch in Mein Kampf. No, he doesn't. But he mentions right at the start on the very first page, (laughs) the very first page of the book is the dedication. And he says, On November 9th, 1923, at 1230 in the afternoon, in front of the Feldherrnhalle. As well as in the courtyard of the former war ministry, the following men, steadfast in their belief in the resurrection of their people, were killed Alfarth Felix, businessman, born July 5, 1901. Baulriedel Andreas, hatter, born May 4, 1879. Casella Theodore, bank employee, born August 8th, 1900. Erlich Wilhelm, bank employee, born August 19th, 1894. Faust Martin, bank employee, born January 27th, 1901. Hechenberger, Anton, locksmith, born September 28th, 1902. Kerner, Oscar, businessman, born January 4th, 1875. Kuhn, Carl, head waiter, born July 26th, 1870 or 1897. Le Force, Carl, student of engineering, born October 28th, 1904. Neubauer, Kurt, valet, born March 27th, 1899. Papa, Klaus von, businessman, born August 16th, 1904. Fortin, Theodore von Der, County Court Counselor, born May 14, 1873. Rickmers Johann, retired Cavalry Captain, born May 7, 1881. Schöbner Richter, Max Irvin Vaughn, Doctor of Engineering, born January 9, 1884. Stransky, Lorenz Ritter von, engineer, born March 14, 1889. And Wolf Wilhelm, businessman, born October 19, 1898 and Hitler writes so-called national authorities denied these dead heroes a common grave therefore I dedicate to them for common memory the first volume of this work as the blood witnesses of which they may continue to serve as a brilliant example for the followers of our movement Adolf Hitler Landsberg on the Lech prison of the fortress October 16, 1924 so that's the very first page of Mein Kampf.
2: I know there's uh there's some photos of those guys and some uh, some sketches too. They're getting hard to find. They used to be able to just you know Google it and there they'd be. And I was searching for it. I'm sure if you looked long enough, I could find it. But you know, you think of these guys and just coming off that demonstration in D.C. and we have that after party and the camaraderie. With, the camaraderie with with, with the guys. And you just know that any one of these guys sitting at the table there with us after an event like that a hundred years later would be would fit right in. And and each one of these guys, you know, if you did a deep dive on them, I don't know how much you can find in English on them, but I mean, they they were amazing. It had to be amazing guys. Each one had his own story. Like just one thing I, I was thinking of this. Kurt Neubauer, in a Wikipedia article on uh, the Beer Hall Putsch, they list the guys, and it says, uh, Kurt Neubauer, valet for Eric Ludendorff, and World War I veteran, born 27th of March, 1899. Uh, But he was Ludendorff's uh, valet. And I was just thinking, you know, I mean, even though Ludendorff was a high-up guy, His personal valet would be, you know, you could, you could probably had some frank discussions with him. And I wondered the conversations that they had about what was happening in the Germany and everything. And there he was during the war with Ludendorff being his valet. And there they were together at that putsch, you know, I mean, what was that, the history of that relationship and and the conversations that brought them both to that, that spot a hundred years ago? And, you know, you could, you could look at each one of these guys and, and find this, you know, interesting stuff like that. It's, uh, I mean, it, you know, it's so important to remember our heroes.
0: Yeah, it's, um, there used to be a great channel on Telegram that, that had a lot of this stuff, uh, commemorated. I, I forwarded some things from it, um, that I had forwarded, uh, the last time on a putch, even though it's not, uh, available anymore, but, there's some, some pictures. There's great stuff. Most of it's in German. You can find it in German, but, uh, there's great stuff out there because during the Third Reich, of course, there was a lot of memorializing of these men. <clears throat> they're all good looking guys. Um, and they're people, like you said, that, that would feel totally at home with, with us, with any of our NJP meetings, with any nationalist group around the world, Nordic resistance movement or patriotic alternative. These guys are cut from the same cloth, same kind of idealists motivated by the same things. Um, They're just like, you know, brothers from a different mother. I mean, they're like people from across as, you know, a hundred years ago, different time, a different age. And yet they're, they're just like us and and motivated. And you see that in a lot of the uh, writings from that time, you recognize so many similar things. There was a, um, a clip that used to circulate on telegram from this essay man brand, this old Nazi film where it shows this guy loses his job this young guy because he's a member of the Nazi party and his bourgeois parents is like, basically like middle-class boomer parents are giving him crap because he lost his job, uh, for his radical politics. And he, he basically like denounces them at the kitchen table and says, you know, you're the ones that don't understand, you know, we're fighting to free our nation. <laughs> All this, it's just amazing. Cause people got doxed back then, Bloody lost that. their jobs. Same, same thing, same thing. Um, Anyway, so here's something I thought you guys would find interesting before I dig into the books. These are some accounts from the time that are in American news publications about the putsch. And even going before that, um, I used to subscribe to the New York Times and I resubscribed recently just to, to to access some things. You can access their entire archive going back to the eighteen uh 60s, I think, or the 1840s, you can access their entire archive if you're a subscriber. And I remember I did this once a long time ago. Uh, I think I was in college. I searched Hitler on the archive, and it was so fascinating to see how Hitler is mentioned for the first time and how he's talked about, and, you know, he's mentioned again, and then he's mentioned again. And, and they they must have had a correspondent in Bavaria. But they got a lot of things wrong. You know, it's like very – you you often see this with the the press from the time. There's an old history book I have that was published in like 1924 or 25 before Hitler was known as anybody. And and, and the whole Putsch – the thing that all the early accounts of the Putsch do is they make it all about Ludendorff, okay? Yeah. Ludendorff to Americans and to any English speaking person at the time would be as well known as like Putin is today. You know, so the fact that General Ludendorff, who today is not that well known, uh, but, you know, during the last stages of World War One, he was basically the guy running the entire war effort for the Germans in World War One. So he was an incredibly well known figure uh, and, and definitely a far right character um and so when this push happened and the other thing that you got to remember is that
1: uh, sven needs me to sign up for a paywall subscription at the right slash paywall okay sven i'm your number one guy i'll do it it
0: had only been four years since the revolution that broke out in bavaria when the when the reds took control of the city the bolsheviks and, and the Russian Civil War was, was still, uh, I guess it wasn't still in full swing, but it was dying down. Um, I mean, there was coups and revolutions happening all over the world, a lot of communists, and then right wing forces were striking back. Uh, Horthy, for instance, in Hungary put down, uh, Bela Kuhn's communist, um, republic that he set up. And, uh, so there was stuff like this going on all over the world. The world was in chaos. It was in a lot of turmoil after uh the end of World War 1 and in the early 1920s. So uh Ludendorff
2: and Italy and Mussolini at the time. Oh, of course, was, duh. Was, that's was, the big one, yeah. It was the uh, the one example of stability and 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 you know I knew there was one that was escaping me. Of course,
0: Mussolini's March on Rome was in 1922.
2: God. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, you are my son, right? Yeah.
0: Well, I've been, you know what it is? I've been talking like for three days straight. I did, I did two hours here with Jack earlier and then I did, uh, like two hours with Emily and we were editing modern politics. Now I'm doing another long one here. So my, my, my mind is, is,
2: I'm looking at Mussolini's flag here on a wall. That's right. I, you know, I,
0: I, I, yeah. Well, uh, Italians in the audience will have to forgive me. Um, but yeah, the, um, of course, the march on Rome was nineteen twenty two. And that was the biggest immediate uh inspiration for the march that they did on on uh November the ninth.
2: But yeah, it's uh So maybe that's eleven years later. It's actually it's, or wait, wait a minute. No, twenty two it's a year later. Okay, well now right. you look like the All stupid right. one. It's yeah, one okay. year one year later. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Twenty three minus twenty two is one. Well, math is in
0: history, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> Anyway, between the two of us, we have one brain on this podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I, <clears throat> two things I found. One was in Time Magazine and the other one was in the New York Times. Before I get to the, either of those, I'll talk about the very first time Hitler is mentioned in the New York Times. It was in, uh, the issue is Thursday, December 14th, 1922. Which is interesting because Hitler had been active already for almost three years by that point. But he didn't appear in the New York Times until three years of, of activity. So that's something right there to kind of keep in mind. I mean, not you know comparing NJP to NSDAP or something, but like how... You know, you think, oh, man, why can't we get something big and national and well-known and all this? It, things take a while. T- things take a long time to get rolling where, where they're breaking out into the mainstream and people hear about it. I mean, most people didn't know about – in the same way that Charlottesville was a, was an occasion when a lot of people got involved in our movement. I mean, I've talked to way more people that joined the movement because of Charlottesville than left the movement because of Charlottesville uh, for sure and it's because charlottesville was national and international news it made huge headlines all around the world and it shook the foundations of this whole empire they're still talking about it uh i mean they're talking about it right now in connection to trump in connection to january 6th in connection to what's happening in gaza so
2: connection with the putsch
0: right 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 yeah so charlottesville and I, and i said on the weekly report charlottesville was kind of like our beer hall put in a sense in the that, in that it was one of these big incidents where some people got killed and it made a lot of the, the headlines i mean it's the most famous thing that we are involved in that we participated in i mean you your whole life of activism the thing the one day that is the most famous thing that you participated in was unite the right for yeah. yeah so for a lot of people um uh, this putsch attempt by Hitler in 1923 was the first time they'd heard of Hitler. Um, it was the first time people in Germany heard of Hitler. But the New York Times wrote about him quite a bit before that. But This article is really interesting. This is, like I said, Thursday, December 14, 1922. So um, what is that, about um, 11 months before the uh, events of the putsch. And the headline reads, uh, want, uh, Ruprecht to Rule Bavaria, Bill to Create Office of State President is Introduced in Diet by Reactionaries, and then a subheading with all caps, Hitler Movement Grows, quote, Bavarian Mussolini, unquote, cause in Franconia is led by woman said to be American. So that's all screwed up, you know, it's like the headline. Copyright 1922, New York Times Company. Berlin, December 13th. The Bavarian reactionaries have introduced a bill in the Diet creating the office of state president for Bavaria, who would be endowed with all the power and prerogatives of a monarch. Now, remember, uh, Bavaria had its own king for a while there. It was a separate kingdom. And that was partly after Napoleon um, dissolved things, dissolved the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, He created a kingdom out of Bavaria and so there was always these Bavarian monarchists, and uh, Bavaria always had this like independent status, sort of the way Texas is like its own republic, you know, independent republic. Um, the Diet's committee for constitutional matters, which is largely composed of reactionaries, has already decided to report the bill favorably to the Diet. But its haste and eagerness have caused suspicion, and now that the socialist, democratic, and peasant parties have become aware of what the bill pretends, they will strain every nerve to vote it down when it comes before the House. The reactionary, the reactionary idea, it is asserted, was to elect as the first president some rather neutral person, not altogether objectionable even to the Republicans. But this person was to act only as a placeholder. Crown Prince Ruprecht was to appear at the right moment, After Hitler, the Bavarian Mussolini and his followers had prepared the ground. Hitler, for whom his friends claim the qualities of a Cromwell, but who is really imitating Mussolini, even in his way of dressing and talking, has been encouraged by powerful reactionary friends and certain Bavarian state officials in his efforts to excite the youth of Bavaria. But the reactionary chiefs do not take him seriously, They only want him to start the row, whereupon Ruprecht, it is said, is to appear and assume the presidency, transition from which to a dictatorship would be rendered easy by certain provisions in the present bill. Prince Ruprecht is credited with having Napoleon in mind, and his adherents say the Hohenzollerns have made themselves almost impossible. Why should he not be successful in the following the great Corsicans example? The Entente powers will whistle, Quite another tune when they find themselves dealing with Kaiser Ruprecht, they tell you in Bavaria. Meanwhile, however, Hitler is, according to the local Anzingers special correspondent in Munich, the most popular man in Bavaria. Moreover, money is pouring into his coffers from all parts of Germany. He now has a uniformed bodyguard of 10,000 men who are ready for any sacrifice for their leader at present. These bodyguards are principally used to protect Hitler's meeting from attacks by socialists. Last Sunday, he held six great meetings in Munich where he preached against Republican corruption and the Jews. Sometimes uh, he undertakes expeditions to Westphalia, Thuringia, Württemberg, and Baden, always accompanied by a detachment of his guards. In preparation for a meeting of his followers in Goping and Württemberg, Hitler sent a detachment of his guards there. The Württemberger authorities heard of this and prohibited the meeting. Workmen attacked Hitler's men in the street and a sanguinary battle ensued. Finally, the military intervened and conducted the invaders to the railway station after having disarmed them. In Franconia, Hitler, Hitler's cause is cl- championed by a Ms., Mrs. Andrea Ellent, an American who was the widow of a German captain killed during the war. Mrs. Ellent has earned for herself the sobriquet of the American Joan of Arc. She has established herself in Markbrecht on the main and has openly promised her numerous followers some fun in the near future in the shape of a, quote, jolly pogrom. The Bavarian government is well aware of the Hitler-Ellant movement with its military features and its revolutionary character, but does not feel called upon to intervene. I actually think –
2: I don't know anything about –
0: no, I have no idea who that person is. Somebody else can look it up. Interesting history, man. You find these little Easter eggs. I think actually there was one before this that I remember when I searched this, but that was Hitler Movement Grows. Uh let me let me find. Okay, here we go. Here it is. I found it. Never mind guys, that wasn't the first time he was mentioned. That was the second time he was mentioned. This is the first time. New popular idol rises in Bavaria. Okay, this makes more sense. This is a month before that. So this is November 21st, 1922, almost a year before the putsch. New popular idol rises in Bavaria. Hitler, credited with extraordinary powers of swaying crowds to his will, forms gray-shirted army. Gray-shirted, you know, they're getting the color wrong. Armed with blackjacks and revolvers and well-disciplined, they obey orders implicitly. Leader a reactionary is anti-red and anti-Semitic and demands strong government for a united Germany. Um. So this is this is the first time.
2: This is the first time it's mentioned. Sorry, I really that. can't accuse us of being Nazis. This is we don't have black Jackson revolvers when we have an event,
0: and we don't wear the gray shirts that they that say supposedly. You know, New York Times gets it wrong. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this was Tuesday, November twenty first,
1: nineteen twenty two. Um.
0: Munich, November 20th. Next to the high cost of living in the dollar, der Hitler and his Hakenkreuzlers are the popular talk topic of talk in Munich and other Bavarian towns. The reactionary, nationalistic, anti-Semitic movement has now reached a point where it is considered potentially dangerous, though not for the immediate future. Hitler today is taken seriously among all classes of Bavarians, He is feared by some, enthusiastically hailed as a prophet and political economic savior by others, and watched with increasing sympathetic interest by the bulk, who apparently are merely biding the psychological moment to mount Hitler's bandwagon. Undoubtedly, the spectacular success of Mussolini and the fascisti brought Hitler's movement to the fore and gained popular interest and sympathy for it.
2: I got to say, that's an interesting line, Uh, are merely biding the psychological uh, moment to mount Hitler's band, uh, bandwagon, I mean, I think we're going to find ourselves. Uh, that's true. That's in true. That exact situation. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. That's that's true. That's that's what happens. That's how these things grow. Another condition favorable to the outburst of the movement is the widespread discontent with existing state of affairs among all classes in the towns and cities under the increasing economic pressure. Hitler's Hockenkreutz movement is essentially urban in character. It has not yet caught a foothold among the hardy Bavarian peasantry and Highlanders, which would make it really dangerous. As a a highly placed personage put it, Hitler organized a small, insignificant group of national socialists two years ago, since when the movement has been smoldering beneath the surface. Now it has eaten its way through, and a conflagration, of course, is not only possible but certain if this now free flame of fanatical patriotism finds sufficient popular combustible material to feed on. Hitler has been called the Bavarian Mussolini and his followers the Bavarian Fascisti. There is nothing socialistic about the National Socialism he preaches. He has 30,000 organized followers in Munich alone. His total followers throughout Bavaria is uncertain since the movement is in a state of rapid flux. He's wasting no time working out political programs, but devotes his whole energy to recruiting fresh forces and perfecting his organization. Uh, Blackjack Silence Opposition. Herr Hitler regrets he is unable to meet you. Imagine if he'd had <laughs> social media, how he could have grown. Oh, right. Exactly. Imagine if he'd had Telegram. Uh, yeah, I don't need to read the whole thing, but, um, I'll skip ahead a little bit. Um, his simple method is first propaganda and secondly efficient organization so that's really the, that's the magic formula always oh, propaganda and organization i mean there's a whole chapter in the book dedicated to that He personally conducts patriotic revival meetings for this purpose, often descending from the stronghold Munich on other Bavarian towns with special trainloads of followers. He has the rarer oratorical gift at present unique in Germany of spellbinding whole audiences regardless of politics or creed. The new converts made at these rallies, those who absolutely and unconditionally pledge themselves to Hitler and his cause, are carefully sifted through... And the pick of them who pass the standard military muster are organized into storm troops with gray shirts, brassards in the old imperial colors, black and anti-Semitic and an anti-Semitic swastika cross in a white circular field on red. Armed also with black shacks and it is popularly whispered revolvers. According to a reliable specialist informant, there are probably 400,000 military rifles and 150 cannons still concealed in Bavaria.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, all po- I mean. yeah
0: all post after the war so that sometime uh what is some so that some fine day hitler's legionaries might well make their debut with rifles so see it had you remember he wasn't running an election so what what are you doing you know what i mean like if you're organizing this militant the plan
1: man? yeah what's the plan here if you're hearing this then you're only getting half the show Did you know that therightstuff.biz is 100% listener-funded? Thanks to this censorship machine, this project can only be sustained by listeners like you, by supporters like you. So why don't you get behind the paywall at therightstuff.biz slash paywall and show the powers that be that they can't silence the most silenced. Hitler's
0: strength is in the combination of his undeniable great gifts as an orator and organizer. He exerts an uncanny control over audiences, possessing the remarkable ability to not only rouse his hearers into a fighting pitch of fury, but at will to turn right around and reduce the same audience to docile calmness and good order. Uh, typical instances, this is hard to read because it's I'm reading the old print on the original uh, scan. A typical instance is related by the informant mentioned quote at the height of the recent Bavarian government crisis, Hitler was holding a mass meeting in Munich and had worked up the big audience. When a rumor spread through the hall that he had planned a coup and that he would overthrow and seize the government that night and was about to give the signal in his rally, his followers burst into an enthusiastic uproar drew and brandished blackjacks and revolvers and with shouts of Heil, Heil, Heil prepared to follow Hitler and his, uh, and storm anything. (laughs) With a few electric words, he worked a magic change in the audience. Their duty on which the success of the cause depended, he said, was iron discipline and implicit obedience to orders when orders were given. The time for action had not yet come, and the riot was nipped in the bud. Um, And then it says a different exhibition of his power. During a mass meeting in Nuremberg, a stronghold of Bavarian socialism, The radical elements undertook a counter-demonstration, massed outside the meeting, and sang the Internationale. The strains of the hated tune heard in the hall enraged Hitler's followers. At his word of command, shock troops of gray shirts with fine discipline marched from the hall, pulled their blackjacks, charged and dispersed the crowd with many a broken head. Hitler is credited with having a rapidly increasing following among the workers, disgruntled by the high cost of living. It is also said many ultra-radicals, including communists, have flocked to his reactionary banner. He's beginning to draw support from the politically sluggish middle classes. My God, nothing's changed, (laughs) which in Bavaria, however, are not so sluggish as in Berlin. Well, Bavaria was the South, (laughs) you know, like that's what it was. Bavaria was Dixie back then. Even more significant, there is some active, more passive support. And to a still greater extent, sympathetic interest for the Hitler movement among the Bavarian loyalists, among monarchists and militarists, and in government and political circles, apparently that's what we need to do is just appeal to the monarchists and milita- uh, militarists.
2: <laughs> you know what's funny? I've known I've known uh, individuals in some little one-man organizations that have done that in the past. It's a small demographic,
0: though. It's not as big as it was then.
2: You know, it's funny because... It's like if you're going to recruit uh, monarchists, you, you might as well uh, go after... Uh, retired dirigible pilots at the same time. <laughs> um, let me uh, find
0: uh, – there was a headline, just real quick. It's so funny, this idea of militarists. Uh, there was a headline that I found. The, the way they just use – I mean, back then even, the New York Times sucked. Um, I found this headline from antiwar.com. It said Biden, quote, countering Islamophobia while incinerating Gaza is the most Democrat thing ever. <laughs> it was an article from uh, uh, Median dot com. It said that this is everything that's distinguishing about the Democratic Party. It puts a warm, friendly face on the most murderous and tyrannical power structure on Earth, posing as a defender of marginalized groups while dropping bombs on the most marginalized populations on this planet. But just that line, countering Islamophobia while incinerating Gaza is the most Biden thing ever, the most Democrat thing ever. So, you know, it's just a funny reminder, these, uh, the thing of the, uh, the militarists. But, um anyway, so, uh, what else? It says that Hitler, you know, so he's growing with the sluggish middle class. He's winning over communists and he's also getting, uh, interest from the Bavarian loyalists, monarchists, militarists. Apparently coupled with the idea that the movement could prove a useful tool if it could be controlled by their special interests. Uh, we know how that turned out for. <laughs> uh, but there is also the latent fear that the movement might wax beyond control. So they they, they knew it back then. Hitler, in addition to his oratorical and organizing abilities, has another pom- positive asset. He is a man of the, quote, common people, and hence has the makings of a, quote, popular hero, unquote, appealing to all classes. It is reported he was a worker before becoming leader of the Bavarian Social Nationalists. He served during the war as a common soldier and won the Iron Cross of the first and second classes for uh, for a common soldier as distinctive... Evidence of exceptional bravery and daring. To Bavarian mentality, he talks rough, shaggy, sound horse sense, and according to present Bavarian public opinion, a strong, active leader equipped with horse sense is the need of the hour. Chief points of his program. Hitler's program is of less interest than his person and his movement. His program consists chiefly of a half dozen negative ideas clothed in generalities. He is, quote, against the Jews, communists, Bolshevism, Marxian socialism, separatists, the high cost of living, existing conditions, the weak Berlin government, and the Versailles Treaty, unquote.
2: Where do I sign up? All right
0: Positively, he stands only for, quote, a strong united Germany under a strong government, unquote. He is credibly credited with being actuated by lofty, unselfish patriotism. He probably does not know himself just what he wants to accomplish. The keynote of his propaganda in speaking and writing is violent anti-Semitism. His followers are popularly nicknamed the Hockenkreuzler, so swastika in German. So violent are actually hooked cross in German. So violent are Hitler's fulminations against the Jews that a number of prominent Jewish citizens are reported to have sought safe asylums in the Bavarian highlands, uh, easily reached by fast motor cars. Two words: motor cars. Whence they could hurry their women and children when forewarned of an anti-Semitic St. Bar- Bartholomew's night. Oh my God! I mean, the New York Times is exactly the same but several reliable, well-informed sources confirm the idea that Hitler's anti-Semitism was not so genuine or violent as it sounded. Oh, never mind, maybe the New York Times. And that he was merely using anti-Semitic propaganda as a bait to catch masses of followers and keep them aroused, enthusiastic, and in line for the time when his organization is perfected and sufficiently powerful to be employed effectively for political purposes.
2: What 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 a time. The way to capture a mass following, you just... You're not really a Jew hater. You just use a lot of anti-Semitic talk to get popular support. Right. Well, that's what they're saying about us with Gaza. Well, you know, they're just using
0: this. A sophisticated politician credited Hitler with peculiar political cleverness for laying emphasis and overemphasis on anti-Semitism, saying, quote, You can't expect the masses to understand or appreciate your final real aims. You must feed the masses with cruder morsels and ideas like anti-Semitism. It would be politically all wrong to tell them the truth about where you really are leading them. The Hitler movement is not of mere local or picturesque interest. It is bound to bring Bavaria into a renewed clash with the Berlin government as long as the German Republic goes even through the motions of trying to live up to the Versailles Treaty. For it is certain the Allies will take umbrage at the Hitler organization as a violation of the military clauses of the treaty and demand disbandment, even as, even as in the case of its predecessor, the Orgesch, O-R-G-E-S-C-H, something else I don't know anything about. But anyway... uh Really interesting. That was by Cyril Brown, 19, November 21st, 1922. And that was the first mention. The other, the first article I read was the second time Hitler was mentioned. There are many more such examples over the next year. Uh, all kinds of headlines. Um, one, <coughs> uh, where the hell is it? Bavarian fascisti to turn out. Hitler, new power in Germany. Uh, von karr prohibits meetings, prohibited meetings at the uh, of the follow. This is September twenty seventh, nineteen twenty three. A few months before, von Karr, the Bavarian military dictator, has prohibited meetings at the followers of or uh, of Adolf Hitler, the fascist leader, and all other political gatherings. Another headline: September twenty eighth, nineteen twenty three. Hitler virtually eliminated. Um, this was...
2: Uh, a little ahead of themselves.
0: Yeah. Um, the appointment of Dr. von Kahr as dictator is generally proved. He is considered the only man capable of filling the position and enjoys the support of the majority of the population. His regime will probably mark the beginning of a new era in the relations between Bavaria and the Reich. It would seem from the powers conferred upon him that Dr. von Kar's authority over the railway and postal services supersedes that of the Reich. Bavaria perhaps hopes to attain that degree of federal independence desired by a large section of the population. Any prospect of Hitler playing a leading part in Bavarian politics appears to have vanished. And though in the remote prospect of communist aggression his storm troops might be used, their immediate activities are probably at an end. So this is September. Uh, Hitler virtually eliminated. Then uh, another one, later September, Bavaria's teeth had been drawn. The Bavaria that was forestalled was was admitted by Chancellor Stresemann at a press meeting tonight. Um, The Chancellor said that weeks ago when giving up the passive resistance was first discussed, it was decided to prepare a martial law proclamation. So you can see how things are rumbling in Bavaria. There's these rumblings. And there's things going on. Um, Another one at the same time. Hitler coup forestalled. See? This is September 28th. Political and open air meetings in Munich are prohibited.
2: Um, And this one says... uh, I mean, that's what they did at Charlottesville. They prohibited our open air meeting. Right. And they were hoping that everybody got their memo that we just can't do that anymore. And we've gradually come back from that and and are showing them and ourselves that we can do it. We had to be smart though. Yeah. There's a, this is a local troops in Bavaria reinforced assurances of loyalty to
0: Berlin given by the Bavarian premier over the telephone allies notified on the roar Decree rescinding all passive resistance orders also published. Again, passive resistance to the Allied occupation in the Roar. Uh, it says that uh, Berlin, September 27th, after the proclamation issued at an early hour this morning by President Ebert declaring a state of emergency in view of the appointment of Dr. von karr as dictator in Bavaria, the Bavarian minister, President von Nilling, called up Chancellor Stressmann on the telephone from Munich. He assured him of the absolute loyalty of himself, the Bavarian government, and the dictator, von Kahr, dictator in quotes, to the Reich. The Berlin government on its side assured the Bavarian government President Ebert's proclamation of a state of siege all over Germany was not meant as a declaration of war against Bavaria or even an affront. Again, big, big tensions here. At the request of Dr. von Kahr, Munich's Reichswehr garrison was reinforced by Bavarian Reichswehr troops drawn from Kempen and Lindau. And in a conference with General von Lossow, commander of the Reichswehr, and Colonel Seisner, commander of the Bavarian State Security Police, Dr. von Kahr was told the government could rely implicitly on both forces. After a conference with the National Socialist leader Hitler, who refused guarantee that there would be no trouble, Dr. Von Karr forbade all 14 of the projected Hitler mass meetings in Munich's biggest beer halls tonight. While 14 in one night? I don't know if that's, if I'm reading that right. Uh, while the official public, publicity bureau of the Bavarian People's Party launched a scathing personal attack against Ludendorff. President Eber's proclamation has been ready several weeks for any emergency. It goes considerably further than any similar ordinance ever, ever promulgated by the president. Under the authority conferred by paragraph 48 of the Constitution of the German Republic, it temporarily suspends a bunch of different articles. Um, President Ebert's proclamation accordingly suspends or limits all constitutional rights, including those of freedom of speech and assembly. Theoretically, dictatorial power is vested in the Minister of National Defense, Dr. Gessler, who delegates it regionally and locally to Reichswehr commanders, The military authorities accordingly can suppress newspapers, forbid meetings, make preventative arrests, and exercise powers of search and confiscation without recourse to any court or authority except personal appeal to the
2: Minister of National Defense. See, here's some real differences. I mean, imagine like the head of the state police assuring a governor or the president, oh, you can count on us, you know. Imagine having to say that, right? Uh, I mean, and and having a guy like Ludendorff. I mean, people that are well respected in the government, uh, or he wasn't in the government at the time. But
1: uh, hey, you're still listening to only half the content. I don't know if I could do that. And I would say to myself, "Man, this Spenpie guy is making good content. I love this. I can't take any more free riding. I don't know what I'm gonna do. What am I gonna do?" I'm Sven Pye's top guy. What am I going to do? Seven son chose me to get a subscription. Whoa. Sven needs me. Okay. I'll do it. I'm going to bat for you, Sven. I'm going to the rightstuffbiz Dot biz slash paywall. Sven.
2: There were, there were government people who were very sympathetic with this. I mean, we have none. we have none of that, none of that. And, and the, you know, we know whose side the state police are on. Uh, so there's, there's some real differences. Some things are similar and some things are, couldn't be more different, you know.
0: But you know, it's funny because the January 6th thing, you see why there's echoes of that. Uh, even though, um, Trump, <clears throat> I mean, we, we know people who were at January 6th. I know people who were there. They weren't, they weren't in the Capitol building, but they were there in the, in the demonstration and they were our guys who were there. Um, who, who you know, no, were no, nowhere near the Capitol building, but there, that was a massive demonstration on that day. Right. Um, you can see how to the one to the enemy, they would see shadows of this in Charlottesville and uh and January sixth. You know, I often talk about Biden and his worldview. How to to the to them, it's, it's similar things happening. But also how historically, I mean, with Trump, the person of Trump, you have this January 6th thing, you have him deplatformed off Twitter, and then you have these f- four federal indictments while he's still running for office. Now Trump's a, you know, you talk about a reactionary, but it's like, these are signs of disturbance, of trouble,
2: you know. Well, we're we're much closer to this uh now than at any other time in my lifetime, you know, where you have these, uh, you know, certain things that, that like preliminary conditions that could lead to something. Yeah, like things that. are happening that could lead to things that could lead to things and, where and you, you know. Have- and the interesting thing is. I mean, in the Declaration of Independence, our, the founding fathers, uh, recognize the right to do just this. To violently overthrow the government that isn't responded to you. To, uh, deny it, denying your, uh, right to life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness. Now, listen up cl- closely, feds. Get this right. I'm, we're not advocating that. We're not planning on that. So you Zionist lick spittles, get it straight. I'm just saying, I'm not aware of a couple things with that. I'm not aware of what kind of legal or what kind of force uh, the Declaration of Independence has uh, with with our with our rights with with statement they make in there. And um, the other thing is, I don't know uh, when was it nullified. I mean, at what point was it officially decided, that what the founding fathers said is our right in the Declaration of Independence ceases to exist. At what point is, oh, we can deny you your, uh, life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. And you, you, now you, now at this point from here going forward, you don't have the right to rebel. I mean, I don't know where all that, like legally, technically where that would stand. I know where it stands in effect, you know, but.
0: One of the things that's interesting, I heard Mark Collette on with, uh, Stryker yesterday and mark was talking about how the uh if it used to be when you would go out and do a demonstration or that you'd be putting out stuff and you get arrested it was i forget what they call it in britain but it's the equivalent of uh what did you say were the things you always got arrested for like uh parading without a permit and what was the other one um the classic um no 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 no, no the uh the, the the classic thing when you're when there's like a civil disorder type thing uh a, disorderly. disorderly conduct that's what I'm looking for, disorderly conduct, which is what that's a misdemeanor, right disorderly yeah, it conduct be yeah. like
2: fifty bucks you know
0: yeah and and Mark Collette says there's a there's a British offense that's very similar to that that's like the equivalent of disorderly conduct. He said that's what you used to get, and he said now it's all falling under this anti terrorism legislation. And see, that's that's a sign of the times changing. Uh, you know, it makes it much more dangerous to participate in certain things. But when the state invokes emergency powers like that, you know, what we saw with the Proud Boys, you know, the Proud Boys can be compared a little bit to the Stahlhelm, you know, uh, and, and Ashley Babbitt. Type person is is like the Stalham. They weren't National Socialists, but there were many, many other groups, far right groups, militant groups, militias they were acting. Again, it's not a one to one comparison, but it's these these certain elements and certain dynamics at play. Um, but when you look at the the uh, sentencing that they're handing down with the with the January six people people that didn't commit any violence, people who weren't even there in some cases. And they're giving them 20, 30-year sentences. That's the equivalent of like anti-terror legislation. And this article here, <clears throat> this is from September 28, 1923, to finish it out, they're talking about how um, they're giving these exclusive powers to Bavaria, And it says that the civil commissioners can be appointed to cooperate with the military dictators. The socialist Prussian minister of the interior, Severing, has been appointed civil commissioner for Prussia. Socialist police president Richter is civil commissioner for Berlin and is likely that the dictator, von Karr, will be appointed civil commissioner for Bavaria, thus solving the delicate dilemma of prestige between Berlin and Bavaria. Saxony seems to be the chief danger spot in view of the bitter feud between Saxony's radical minister president, Dr. Ziegner, and Minister of Defense Gessler. There is general agreement that the political situation actually is not so acute as to necessitate or warrant setting state of siege machinery in motion.
1: Did you know that the right stuff. Biz is 100% listener funded? The only reason you're hearing this right now is because you're only getting half the show. There's so much content you're missing, and you'll never hear these ads again if you get behind the paywall at therightstuff.biz slash paywall.
2: It is
0: interpreted first as a precautionary measure by an over-nervous government laboring under the strain of giving up passive resistance. Secondly, as purely a measure of prestige designed to supersede Bavaria's private state of siege by the Reich's authority, and thirdly, for effect both at home and abroad, on the one hand tending to distract German attention – from the giving up of passive resistance against the French, I guess, and on the other hand, tending to call the attention of the world, particularly France, England, and America, to Germany's critical situation. The Bavarian government's proclamation of a practical state of siege for Bavaria and the appointment of Dr. von Kahr as dictator are believed to be directed not against Berlin, but against Hitler and Ludendorff and their followers. So so guys, that's, uh, that's it for hour one. Um, I'm going to go through now with the, in hour two, subscribe to the right stuff.biz and find out what happens (laughs) in the pages of the New York times and in time magazine. I'll read to you guys, uh, what happened, how they reported on the events of the night. Cause that was what I just read was only a month, a little more than a month before. Um, and then we'll go through a detailed account of the putsch from a Nazi source that uh, that book germany's hitler that's an english language account of the putsch um, and uh yeah just subscribe please to rightstuff.biz or nationaljusticeparty.com become become a supporter nice dollar a day you could do on the white level supportership and then you get a, a, a you get a subscription to the, the right stuff uh, along with that but uh, we will see you on the other side you <laughs>